This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Davity. We've got Michael Shingle, Taylor Moore, Jay Darden, Congressman Garrett Gray, Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark, Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Episode 185 is here. Thank you for being with us. It is the holiday season indeed. If you live in Louisiana, we've had a few spurts of cold weather, but nothing like they're having up north. Man. So today we're going to be talking with the constable-elect for Baton Rouge, Terrica Williams, who recently won in a runoff against her opponent, Republican Trey Vargas. And she is the first female constable in the history of this city. It was a campaign that was relatively without controversy until the end. There were a couple of stories that popped up in the media, and I'll ask her about those. There was an issue about a parade and the driver in the parade and a question about her residency as a candidate. And so we'll get her to speak to both those issues and talk about her vision for law enforcement and what she hopes to do with the constable's office. She is a very soft-spoken person with a really a history in law enforcement, uh, having worked for multiple agencies, and we'll get into that with her. It's interesting now in the country when you think about police officers and the perception of them now, and every law enforcement officer I know is cognizant of the way officers are perceived because of stories that have been in the media, and most of them, the ones that I know, are working to build a bridge. It's, it's a common refrain from law enforcement officers. They want to build a bridge. They want to be able to have a better rapport with the communities they serve. And we will ask Constable-elect Williams about her vision for that office as she replaces Major Reginald Brown, who's been in that job for 18 years. So... I'm looking forward to that conversation, so let's not take too long to do it. We'll get with it next. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 1073 mobile app. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. After 18 years, there's going to be a new boss at the constable's office in Baton Rouge. 
Terrica Williams, candidate for the office, won this past weekend in a runoff, and she's making history, obviously, as the first female to ever hold that job. Constable-elect, how are you? Hi, good morning. I'm doing wonderful today. Excited and happy. Are you glad the election pro- process is over? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I am glad it's over. <laughs> so when you look back at the election process, the campaigning and everything that went along with that, what's your what's your reflection after the fact now that it's done? Okay, just looking back, uh, when I started this campaign, I had no clue of what campaigning would take. Right. And I jumped into the race with little money and prayers. And I spoke with God, and God gave me the vision to run this race. So I jumped in, and I started running, walking streets, knocking on doors, standing on corners, and just making myself available anywhere that I felt I needed to be. And if someone would call and say, hey, look, you need to go over here, I would go over there. If they would invite me to events, I would go to like two, three events a day, sometimes four and five events a day, because I wanted the people of Baton Rouge to see who I was and to get to know me for who I am. Talk a little bit about your law enforcement experience. I mean, because you were you were with the sheriff's office for a little while. Yes, I was with uh, East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff's Office. Before that, I actually worked in corrections at LCIW. I worked at uh, Argosy Casino, which is the bell now, as mm-hmm. a lead officer in security. And then I started at the uh, East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff's Office, and I worked there for a little while in the jail, courtroom security as a bailiff. I worked in communications, and I worked in CIU, the Criminal Investigations Unit. For people who are wondering what a, what the constable does, what what's the function of the constable's office, what does the constable do? Uh, we're more uh, responsible for civil processing than criminal procedures, but we do evictions, we do civil mandates, we do subpoenas, bench warrants, we um, we do garnishments. We had a very large dam program, and the constable there now he was responsible for holiday helpers and more uh, toy giveaways during Christmas time, which are some of the programs that we want to try to put back into place from what I'm understanding those those programs will kind of shut down. So if we can kind of go back along the lines, because we don't want to always do negative stuff. We want to do some positive things as well. The negative things are basically orders from the court. We just have to follow the orders from the court. But in following those orders, we want to try to at least show people that we're not the bad people. We do... Uh, understand and we do sympathize with some of the things that people go through in everyday life. Your vision for this office, in addition to these these things in the community that you want to bring back, is what? what what's your vision for the constable's office going forward? Um, to get in to see what this agency needs as far as changes, if any changes, if we have to make changes, we will make them accordingly, but also to build bridges and to build the gaps because the community feels like law enforcement is just bad, and it's not bad. You have a lot of great people that work in law enforcement, so I want to at least be able to work with the agencies, the sheriff's office, Baton Rouge City Police, and the community, plus the people who work within the agency, and try to build it up and show everybody that we can work together as a team. I want to do things like children programs for children, such as a little mentoring program so we mm-hmm. can help children because if you look at it, a lot of the crime comes about with teenagers who just don't know how to make the right choices. If we can get in and help these kids learn the consequences to making bad choices, and then we can help them along the way, and maybe we can have a better community 
is the goal and the plan. You know, it's so interesting because there was a time in in the country and that that kids always looked up to police officers and, and cops yeah. were police officers were heroes. And that narrative mm-hmm. has changed so much because you have kids who are afraid of police officers, even those who have never encountered them. And I do think mm-hmm. that what you're saying is true, that we've, we we got to fix that. Yes. Yes. I even see children and parents who say, oh, look, when I used to be in uniform, because, of course, I wore a uniform for like 15 years. And being in that uniform, parents would be like, oh, look, that's the police. She's going to get you. And I was like, no, baby, the police is not going to get you. We're your friend. Because parents use it as a fear tactic for children. And they're afraid of the police at at that point. You know, it's funny you say that. I had uh, someone from the state police in here maybe a month or so ago, and she said the same thing, that she's corrected parents. Because I always hate when, when I hear people do that. She corrects mm-hmm. parents who who say, you know, if you don't behave, the, you know, police officer's going to arrest you or they're going to get you. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't create a positive perspective for kids. So people shouldn't do that. No, no they shouldn't. That's not a good thing. If your children are giving you problems at home, maybe you should bring them to a police officer and say, hey, can you sit down and talk with my child? and explain to them the good and the bad and the good consequences, the bad consequences for the uh, choices that they make. But don't put fear in them that the police is just this, this big animal or this, um, this monster, because we're not, we're actually good people. I was actually a dare officer when I worked at the constable's office and, uh, and I would go into the schools and teach the fifth grade children about saying no to drugs, bullying, and like the choices and the consequences. And, Still today, I see kids who were my D.A.R.E. students and they're adults now. And they say, I remember you. You was my D.A.R.E. officer. (laughs) So if we can give more positive input to the children, I think we can help them. Uh, Let's talk about a couple things that came up during the campaign. And and you and I were just chatting about this. There was a story about a parade and a driver in a parade recently, right before the vote. And that was in the news. People were talking about his record, his his criminal record and, and the association with you. What's the story behind that? Wow. Okay. Um, I've been in several parades throughout my life. I mean, I've even spearheaded some parades. And even during this campaign, I was in a parade, McKinley High Homecoming Parade. I was in Southern Homecoming Parade. And just so happened, I was asked, I was invited to be the Grand Marshal in Gus Young's Christmas Parade. And I've never even thought to stop and ask the driver of the car if they had a criminal history. I mean, I just assumed that the people in the parade were who they were supposed to be. Sure. And just so happened in this particular parade, um, we had a guy lined up who was supposed to drive us in the parade because, of course, you know, parades are nice cars and floats and you throw candy and beads and stuff. And it's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, a nice look. So the first person who was supposed to drive us in the parade had a really nice car. He had a lot of, like, exotic cars. But something happened. The car was in the shop. It couldn't get out of the shop in time. So then, of course, the guy who I rode with in the parade just happened to have a convertible car. And that's the most look that you want in a parade is something convertible where you can sit in the car and throw candy out of the car. So he was asked to drive us in the parade. He actually volunteered to drive us in the parade. And never once did we question, you know, will you be doing something wrong a week from today or two weeks from today? Sure. It just never crossed our mind. And in riding in the parade, the next week after, the parade was this Saturday. And, of course, I had a lot of things going on. I had a... um I was invited to speak at a forum that morning, and my team showed up because the lineup was at 10 o'clock. The forum was at 11 o'clock. So my team showed up to meet for the lineup, and everybody was waiting on me to get to the lineup. And when I made it there, I just got in the car and rode in the parade. And when we watched the news the next week, that's when we see 
this guy on the news um, with allegations that he had been involved in a murder. I didn't have a clue. Didn't know nothing about this guy. My first time ever meeting this guy was for that particular parade. And for some reason, it just went all, it made news. It made news. It made the city of Baton Rouge news for sure. Uh, <laughs> the news reporters called me to ask some questions. I was honest and told them I didn't know the guy. And they seemed like they didn't believe my story. But at that time, I couldn't stop to focus on trying to make them believe who I am and prove to them that I'm not a bad person. So I right. continued to campaign. It never, I never lost track of my campaign. And I'm thanking God I didn't because, of course, here I am today. I was able to win this uh, election. Did did anybody that you encountered at any event, campaign event or something after that, ask you about that at all? No, so, no, so no, it did, no. So so did, didn't really even come up after after the fact and after it ran in the news. It didn't really come up again. No, never came up again to me. You know, people would say stuff like, I can't believe they tried to do you that. Why would they try to do that to you? And I know it took the Facebook. A lot of people went on Facebook. And uh, because if I'm not mistaken, the WBRZ News posted it on Facebook. Like, they called me at 6 o'clock and at 7 o'clock it was on Facebook. Wow. And I saw people chiming in with comments saying, you know, this is just not right. And why would they try to do stuff like this at the last hour? But I even logged off of Facebook and I kept walking, I kept knocking on doors, and even the day of election, I stood in the rain on corners waving signs and, you know, greeting people still. You know, the, we, the, the other story that popped up during the campaign is people, uh, I think it was a business report, ran a story questioning whether or not you lived in EBR. What's the story with that? Yes, I do live in East Baton Rouge Parish, in the city limits of Baton Rouge, and for some reason they questioned that I had a property in Baker, Louisiana. And they were questioning if I still lived in Baker, but I don't live in Baker. I actually live in the city limits of Baton Rouge, which I knew was a requirement of the qualifications. And I did everything I was supposed to do. Right. You know, when, how, how did that even come up? I'm not sure. I know, if I'm not mistaken, uh, my opponent was endorsed by the person who owned the Baton Rouge Business Report. And I don't know if it was maybe something that they discussed. I'm not sure. But... Uh, Somehow they said, I mean, I ran the campaign living at the same address from the day I qualified on July the, I think July the 19th is the day I qualified. And I lived at this address the day that I qualified. And we ran this campaign from July until November the 6th with five candidates in the race. And it never came up. And then once the race was over and I ended up in a runoff with my opponent, that's when all of a sudden this comes up. I don't know if they went digging for it, looking for it. I can say that my opponent was someone who... Um, I kind of had a, a few phone conversations with him before he decided to get in the race. He called me a few times and said that he would support me in the race. And he wanted to make financial contributions to my race, but he never did. And then that's when I realized he was actually in the race itself. Talking about Trey Vargas, who was who was yes. the, the candidate that Terica beat in the in the runoff. You mentioned a, 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 some time ago in the early part of our interview about building bridges with law enforcement and really getting back to some of the positive uh, things that happened with law enforcement in communities. When if you had an opportunity to talk with the media about the way police officers, law enforcement officers are portrayed in, in the media, what would you say to them? That's a good question. <laughs> Basically, I would uh, say get to know each individual officer 
instead of judging officers across the board because you see a uniform, you see a police officer, and, and the community already feels that everybody in uniform is a bad person because of certain things that has happened along the way with law enforcement. And I do see that law enforcement has went from the old school law enforcement where the officers can actually walk through neighborhoods, they can ride through neighborhoods, and everybody knows, hey, that's officer so-and-so, and they speak to you. And it went from that to now nobody really knows who the police officers are because they just they won't address it. They won't even talk to police officers now. So if the media would at least be a little more on our side than against us, and say, you know, let's give them a chance to prove who they really are. Because even in my case, they just took a story, they took something, and they twisted it, they turned it, they never looked back, and they never even called and said, well, Miss Williams, you've made history, the first female, the first African-American female to run for this position and hold this position. And I mean, I'm not, it's not bothering me, but it's still disappointing to know that you will take a bad story and you will put it out, but you won't take the good story and put it out. Well, people who who have seen you from a distance and obviously who voted in this thing get a chance to to hear the way you think and and hear from you about these two stories that popped up during the campaign. So what's going to be the first thing you do when you get into the office? Reggie Brown's been in that office for 18 years. So, I mean, almost 20 years. And so when you get in there, what's going to be one of the first things that you do officially as constable? One of the first things I wanted to do as constable is sit down with each employee within that agency one-on-one, not as a group, not as a whole, but one-on-one, and give me some feedback on what they feel needs to be done, what changes they feel need to be made, and how can we work together as a team to build this agency back to where it used to be. Uh, and we're Basically, not even build it back to what it used to be, bring it to a new day, bring it to the 21st century. And from that point, we'll work with the community and see what are some of the needs of the community and just kind of get in and work as a team. Well, it's going to be here before you know it after the first of the year. Well, congratulations on your victory. And then once you are officially in the job and you start announcing initiatives, you got to come back on the show and talk to the folks about what's coming up. Okay, I will. And also, (laughs) I have a transition team that's in place. So we'll go and actually have one meeting scheduled. Uh, this evening, I have another meeting scheduled Monday, and we're trying to just jump ahead of the, you know, get ahead of the train sure. and make sure we line up everything so when the first of the year gets here, we'll be able to just go in and just push forward. Well, congratulations, Constable-elect, and uh, looking forward to talking with you more in the future about your, your vision and goals for the Constable's office. Okay, darling. Thank you so much, and thank you, everybody. I thank everyone who voted for me. If they couldn't vote for me, they prayed for me. I just thank everybody because it's a blessing to be in this position today. All right. It's Manners in a Minute, presented by Manners of the Heart. A middle school removed the fence around the perimeter of the schoolyard. The thought behind the move was that students would feel a greater sense of freedom without the restriction of the fence. The result? The students huddled closer together because they no longer felt safe. Like fences, boundaries create a hedge of protection around children, providing safety and security while keeping negative influences out. 
boundaries help children feel loved under the protection of parental authority. They enable children to resist peer pressure by having family rules as a backup when they're pushed in the wrong direction. Boundaries help children understand that wrong choices have consequences. Setting and enforcing boundaries when children are young enable them to set responsible boundaries for themselves when they become teenagers. Tune in this week to learn how to set rules that create healthy boundaries without building walls between you and your children. Be sure to stay tuned in this week to learn more about helping your children develop manners of Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for the 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. Very nice. Very nice. The chairman of the board. Thanks for listening to episode 185 of the Clay Young Show. As we say every show, if you see us on social, like and share. Tell your friends about us and what we're doing. We appreciate all of the feedback that we get from you guys. If you want to email me directly, that email address is clay at podcast225.com. Thank you so much for the feedback that you give us. We appreciate it. Tom Lang, lead detective in the O.J. Simpson murder trial, will be our guest next week talking about his most recent book, and where we are, at, as we, believe it or not, approach the 25-year anniversary of the court case that gripped America for nearly a year. Unbelievable, right, how time blows by. But Detective Lang will be on the show next week. Until then, you guys have a great one. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.